Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's February 16th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet, and we know it. We don't need an award to prove it. <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. <laughs> Second first, same as the first. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, buddy. It's <laughs> uh, the only thing I'm getting this year. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there's not a lot of love for us out there in the world, is there? But, no. Uh, no surprise, but Andy Up has once again been shut out of the American Poker Awards, uh, save for a possibility of the charitable initiative of, uh, of the year, which is decided by Global Poker Index staff instead of the nomination panel. Also up for consideration, but failing short of getting official nominations. Randy of friends Ben Irwin, Jonathan Little, and Steve Pavlicek. And before we go on our rant here, one, I want to say I feel the worst for Steve Pavlicek. Uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. found out that he was even being considered by listening to the show last week, and he sent an email like, oh, my God, that's great. It's incredible. Um, and then, uh, anyway, I, I really, I was honest when I said, you know, hey, I hope you get something out of this because I know we're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. And then, um, and then of course, you know, I'm I'm scrolling through uh, Bad po- Best Podcast. Nope, no any up. Best Tour. Nope, no any up. Expected that. No. Oh, Ben didn't get. Nope. All right. Uh, all right. Moment of the year. How can the person that is playing in the main event, because his buddy passed away and bequeathed him and all their buddies a seat, and then went on to cash. How can that not be one of the four best moments of the year? I know. How could it not be nominated? That's just I, that I just boggles my mind. I, I get why we we're not, and that's fine. And you know, I'll be a little upset, but I, I also understand that. But I, I do really feel bad for Steve. I think uh, I mean all the other events were like you know poker pros doing something, and poker pros do something all the time. I'm not taking anything away from them, but you're talking about a moment, and that's the I always focus on the word, the important words in these moments. Yeah, yeah. And that's a moment. That's you know again. I, I don't want to repeat everything that we talked about when we talked. You know, last time about this, but um, th- this is why people play poker, right? Is so they have the chance to someday play in the World Series of Poker main event, just like Mike McDermott, right? Yeah. And and then not just to get to play, that's a, that's a big enough honor for some people, but then you get the cash, and that's just amazing, especially if you're an amateur like like, like we are. And then if you go on a run like Lee Childs did, you know, back a couple years ago, um, and make the final table or even win this thing, that's just it's. Fairy tale stuff, right? Yeah. So then you add in how Steve even got there, and it's, you know, I mean, we're in the middle of the Olympics now, and I know some people love all these feel good stories, and some people hate these feel good stories, but uh, I think you got to root for the feel good stories out there, and, and Steve's was one, and, um, you know, no, no disrespect to the four people that are nominated. I even see which, I see which ones they were, what they did. I'm, I'm sure whatever they did was amazing, but, um, 
when we talk about you know poker, people losing interest in poker, what we can do to get more people into poker, it's stories like Steve's that get people into poker. It's not you know quads over straight flush or, or I mean, straight flush over quads, right? Um, <laughs> that would be a pretty amazing story. That would, yeah, that would get people probably out of the game. Probably. Um, so I don't know. I I, I was just frustrated with that. I, I feel you, and I'm not going to go on some rant. Just spoiler alert, yeah, we aren't winning the charitable initiative either. <laughs> Probably not, no. You know, but I just I sent mean, an email to argue for us. So When I tell you that we raised enough with our initiative to feed nearly 100,000 people, I mean, to me, that's a huge deal. But then when you look at, you know, they got these huge big-name celebrities showing up and paying, you know, $3,000 for a charity event or something, and they're raising millions of dollars, they're going to look at that and go, Yep, this is what we're doing. And, you know, our little thing across North America, you know, whatever. But there's just no way. There's no way we're going to win it. We need a better PR person. <laughs> it's just not happening. But, yeah, well, you're right. And I'll also say sad. this, too. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. If we were to get a nomination, we would be talking about how cool it was. So I am honest enough to say that, right? Yeah. But um, so uh, these whole, I mean, it's nice that somebody's doing awards. Uh, I like that. I mean, we don't have any other real true awards, so I, I give a lot of credit to GPI for, for doing this. Um, but it, it does make me think back to when we were journalists, right? And I, I, I don't want to presume you think the same way I do on this, but um, you know, when I, when I first started in journalism, there were all kinds of award contests, right? Yeah, like the state press association, yeah, the national one, and then our company had one, and. Um, anyway, I'm an aggressive person. I like to do a good job and I like to be recognized for it. Right. So I collected a whole bunch of awards. Um, and then I, at some point I just woke up and I realized that a lot of my coworkers were doing work to win awards instead of inform the people. Exactly. Because when you do the basic, what they call it chicken dinner stuff. Uh, it's not sexy, doesn't win awards, but that's what people are looking for, right? And we got so focused on winning Pulitzers and all these other amazing awards and, you know, that we were losing sight of what our mission was. So I I got a little upset about that. So at that point, I became somebody that didn't really care about awards anymore. So it's funny now that we're talking about it with this. And so I had one side of my mouth I can say, eh, whatever. Uh, These awards are... They, they've got a big name, big company bias, and, and little guys like us are never going to be able to break through, and that's fine. And then the other side say it would be nice for us to be recognized for something. But Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, – it's also – I think sometimes when something like this comes up, it's just like a reinforcement that what we're doing is – you know, it's, it's not that we need the accolades or the pat on the back. It's what we're saying is, okay, we're providing a service, and they, they're appreciating the service, so we're going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Not that we wouldn't keep doing it because it's our livelihood, but somebody out there says, hey, you know what? This show's been around for a decade. It's basically never missed a week, and it's for the majority of the people out there who play poker, not the elite 0.1% like in politics. I mean, this is like, you know, pretty much every person who plays poker, other than the ones who are doing it for a living, can relate to this show. So we've been doing it forever. We've won awards with it before. Hey, you know, you think that we'd just be nominated, you know? And, and when people say it's an honor just being nominated, that's right, it's an honor. So we talked about it on the show. But I'm going to give you a quick little story to, to, about the newspaper industry and about the awards there. And when I lost all of my, you know, 
I, when you think about, oh, it was this great honor and everything, and then I, the wool was pulled away from my eyes. One day I went into work, and as you remember, I worked in the sports section. I was one of their lead designers and editors, and uh, I came into work for something uh, early. I don't know what it was. And then one of my bosses walked up to me and said, hey, you got a couple minutes? And I'm like, yeah. He called me into the office, and he goes, all right, you see those three designs, those three newspapers on the ground? I was like, yeah. He's like, which one do you like the most? And why? And I said, ah, well, this one right here is really good because it's 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 modular. It's it's the weight of the head, headlines is right. I said, blah, blah blah. I said this one this one's probably the best layout. Of all of them. He goes, well, well, which one's next best? And I'm like, well, this one over here probably. The last one over here is lacking. It's too gray. It's lacking some thought. Blah blah blah. I said, so I would say this one's the best. That's the second best. That's the third best. Okay, thanks a lot. You just decided who just won the Florida State. Blah blah blah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I literally decided. All these people from all over, it was, I think it was statewide, I'm not sure, but it was like all these people from all over mid-level state newspapers had sent the, the entries in, and I walked into an office and decided who won. One person. <laughs> and it's like, you know that's got to be what's going on with this other stuff. Not this American Poker Awards thing. Yeah, but, I was going to say this one's a little different, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so don't hold these awards to, to your own self-worth because it literally could mean that one person agrees with you. <laughs> right so that's it so that was i lost all you know my my big stars in the eyes and all that shit just totally faded away um so yeah so i, I mean i'm upset that we still haven't broken through because they still think of us as oh that's the little startup company that that deals with the people who aren't on tv you know so we we're well, on i don't TV. even think it's that i think i mean <laughs> again i don't know who's on the nomination panel um Obviously, we are on it, um, but I would imagine, and uh, that's part of the problem is that it's it's focused on people that are involved with big companies and pros. So, it, I, I don't think it's really a slight on us. I think it's just people aren't, aren't aware of us. And people who's on TV again? Uh, I'm sorry? Big companies and pros are they the ones who are on TV? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you agreed <laughs> with me. You just didn't understand that you were agreeing. No, uh, yeah, but but so <laughs> I guess the the solution is to expand the nomination panel. <clears throat> to folks and i don't know how you do that i yeah. mean really i mean you know if you invite like regular players to be part of it then it doesn't really change anything i don't think because you know that's they're still thinking the same thing so you know it, it is what it is but, All right. uh, but I, I i will be happy that we are on the short list for consideration for a nomination <laughs> for him. And I'll still be upset that Steve did not. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Very good. All right. The Nevada Nevada Gaming Control Board has ruled in favor of the players in a dispute over a bad beat jackpot at Red Rock Casino Resort Spa. The casino had invalidated the jackpot because the player with a higher straight flush had exposed his hand before action on the river took place. Now, this has been going on for quite a while. I think this was like uh, last July or June, I think, uh, during the World when the World Series was in Vegas. It wasn't at the Red Rock, obviously. But, right, right. When this all happened, and um, so people every once in a while had emailed me and asked me about it, and I, you know, I, it was something I thought we should talk about, but actually came to resolution, which it finally has now. So, um, you know, I, I, I could, I know people hate when we say we could see it on both sides. They like us to take a stance, right? But mm -hmm. I, I could see this from both sides. I really can. Um, I, I think from a PR standpoint, I think Red Rock probably made a huge mistake here by uh, invalidating it. There, there are worst transgressions players can make um, in the collusion world than being excited that there's a possibility that you're going to win $400,000 or whatever. Yeah. Right? Um, and and then 
actually actively sending signals and stuff across the table to people to cheat the game. So this, it seems like, from what I've heard, the guy was just excited, turned his hand over, and wasn't thinking straight because he was looking forward to buying that boat and house instead of putting that money back in the poker economy. Um, and just turned his hand over. And... Uh, but I also, you know, again, I know there's rules and stuff like that. And if you like look the other way on this one, what happens if something a little bit more egregious than that happens the next time? And then you crack down on that and then, then they have precedent. They're like, Hey, well, this last time the guy did essentially the same thing and you awarded it to him. So it's, it, it, it's a no win situation. I think, um, yeah, you said, um, so I think you got more to say about it, don't you? I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> well, the Nevada Gaming Control Board sounds like they uh, identified with Rule One of the Poker TDA and just said we got to do what's best for, you know, for everybody or what makes most sense here. And to me, it sounds like the guy was excited and made a mistake, and it's a technical issue. Clearly, the cards were dealt that involved a bad beat. It wasn't like they cheated to get the bad beat. You know what I mean? It'd be one thing if. We're talking about it has to be ten dollars in the pot, and guy, there's no money in the pot or something. The guy's like, "Look, put ten bucks in, we're gonna right. win a million. Right. You know, the guy turned over his high flush, straight flush because he's excited. I mean, whatever. Even so, I mean, I know there are rules in place, but I think those rules are in place for different reasons of exposing the hand than what happened in this situation. And just looked like the NGCB said, hey, "You know what? Let's do what's best for everyone here, and just." This, it was common sense ruled, I think, and gave them their pot. Well, I think what they determined was there, there would have been no – there was really no effect on the action. I mean, yeah, all right, so he exposed his hand. They checked it down. They win the thing. Um, it, it, it's uh, – you can't make a case that had one of them bet um, and shoved that the other one was going to lay down a straight flush, right? Right. So the only thing that didn't happen that – Probably should have is both of them gone all in, and then, uh, but you know, I don't think there's a reasonable expectation you can make that uh, something other than that would have happened. So I think that's what they they ruled on this is that looking at it. So, you know, <clears throat> it's possible that if this happened, and again, it's different if it's like on the flop or the turn when there's seven other people in the hand at that time, maybe, um, and someone says, "Hey, I've got, I've got it," so. You know, you know, and you know, and then influences the rest of the action. That's a different story. So, yeah. um, but I, again, I will always remind folks: this is why it's important to pay attention to what you're doing and not just say, "Well, it didn't mean it didn't make any difference this time." You know, just pay attention to it. And I know I've never been in the spot where I've got a bad beat um, hand, but uh, I'll tell you, I'll be sweating when it happens. But yeah, I will also yeah. be paying attention and making sure I don't do anything. I'm not even going to look at anyone. I'm not going to mention anything. I'm not going to put my mouth. I'm going to wait for the dealer to tell me to table my hand. <laughs> I, I'm going to do everything right uh, because I've seen this stuff happen before. And I, I don't want to be the guy that invalidates it. I don't want to be the one that loses because of it. Um, so it is always a cautionary tale to remind folks when you're in these situations to do the right thing and, and not just trust that somebody will give you a pass for a minor transgression. I agree. All right. Rich Muni, vice president of the Poker Players Alliance, has been tapped to become executive director, re- replacing John Pappas, who will remain on the board of the Poker Players Advocacy Group. Um, I, don't really, I, I don't think this is a big deal. Uh, I guess we'll find out. But, you know, Rich Muni's been there for a long time, probably as long as John Pappas has. And we've had Pappas on the show probably a couple times, I think, right? Yeah. 
um, smart guy, and it's just been a long time. I mean, think about it. I mean, we probably had him on the show like we're, when we were at the time, so when we just started out. So yeah, that's right. Eight years ago, maybe. Um, you know, and that's that's a long time in these days. You know, we're all we're all living dog years now. <laughs> you know, I think it's so quick now that uh, you know I don't think it's a big deal. It's just nice to have some new blood after eight or ten years or however long you've done it. So well, here's the thing, though, and and I this is all. You know, just I mean, I have total respect for for both of them. We I've actually talked to Rich when I was in Vegas a couple of times. Saw him out there and chatted with him. Um, nor I don't think he'll remember that, but I did. And uh, I I I agree that it's nice to have new blood, but is this really new blood? I mean, he he's the vice president under the the president right. for the well, last yeah, decade. You can argue it two ways. You can argue there's uh, it's going to be the same. In, yeah, uh, <clears throat> people like, and then you could also argue well. You know, it, there's continuity, but maybe there's new ideas that are coming out. I mean, you know, you know, let's say that I took over editing and designing the magazine. You took over the business. Right. Uh, would it be continuity? Yes. We'd be doing a lot of things the same. Yeah. But I would imagine we'd each do each other's jobs a little bit different, right? Yeah. So, which might be good, might be bad. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that maybe they could shake it up even more than that. But you know, I, I mean, I to this point, I mean, I don't really. We haven't really mentioned the PPA in a long time. You know what I mean? So what does that tell well, you? Well, because the world has changed so much of this, right? I mean, back when we had him on the show, we were talking about fighting for our rights to get, uh, you know, internet poker. Um, we still are. It, right? <laughs> We're still and, trying and to get we, it. Then we had the Black Friday blow up, and then now it's been nothing nonstop, just little states, uh, battles in every state to try to get it together and piece it together. So the the whole landscape has changed a little bit um well, a little bit a lot <laughs> yeah. and um so it's tougher i think uh for the ppa to get the kind of notoriety they did back then when they were advocating for all players on one thing that people could tangibly understand right yeah versus now uh, arguing to get online poker in new york where unless you live in new york you really probably don't care about it um or you don't care about it as much as you would something else so um and that probably also fractures and makes it tougher. Now, now you got to like study 10, 12, 14 different state laws and and uh, get people advocating the right way there and learn all those people. Whereas before, you were just talking about Congress, yeah, and one set of rules, and that was a whole lot easier. So, um, and I'd also argue too. I, I do see, you know, when I when I'm looking for news for this show, I, I routinely see a story about hey, trying to get online poker in New Mexico or online poker in Utah or whatever. And I, I quit reading them because you know everybody's trying to get it everywhere, but until there's actually something happening where it might actually happen, you know, I'm not going to waste time on our show talking about you know bills being filed. You know, yeah. yeah. So. Hey, Annie Updates. Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi is hosting its next Annie Up Poker Tour event, the Pearl River Spring Poker Classic, March 15th to the 25th, featuring eight events highlighted by an $810 buy-in, $100,000 guarantee main event. The winner will appear on the May cover of Annie Up Magazine and get an entry into the 2018 Annie Up World Championship main event. For more information, visit com slash Pearl River. Also, Viquiva Hotel and Casino near Phoenix, Arizona, will host the Annie Up Spring Poker Classic Annie Up Poker Tour event March 22nd to the 24th. The winner of the $300 buy-in 50K guarantee main event will appear on the cover of the April issue of Annie Up Magazine and get an entry into the 2018 Annie Up World Championship main event. 
For more information, including satellite schedule and special hotel room offers, visit antiatmagazine.com slash vquiva. Very similar updates there. Yes, yes. And, and very and exciting for us. Folks will know they're right on top of each other. We we, chen, we try not to do that, um, but it sometimes it's tough to schedule these things. So the good thing is one's in Phoenix, the other one's in Mississippi. So I don't think we have a lot of crossover uh, players right. in that. So uh, wherever you are, there's two opportunities coming up uh, at the end of March uh, for you to get on the cover of the magazine. So good luck. And win big bucks. <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at antiatmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled this week's prize, a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino's seminars that specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Frank Simone. The dealer deals everyone's whole cards, and after all are dealt, Seat 5 looks at his own cards and then says that he thinks he saw a face card dealt to Seat 3. The dealer asks Seat 3 to look at his cards and if he had a face card to muck it. Seat 3 throws out a queen, and the dealer gives him a new card. Why did Seat 5 announce after he looked at his cards? What if Seat 3 had two face cards? Player 5 cannot identify the card he said he saw, other than that it was paint. Ellie says, this did not go well for the players at the table. First, the proper time to call attention to a mistake is right when it happens. Waiting until the cards were all out makes it appear more pot shot than correction. Uh, you didn't say that other players spoke up, so I'm going to assume none did. That is not insignificant. Second, why did the dealer do anything other than call for the supervisor here? This is not a simple case of replacing an exposed card. The situation firmly entered ruling territory due to the delay in calling attention to the card, the virtual inability of anyone being able to identify the card, and the complete absence of any corroboration of a card being exposed. Based upon your brief description of what happened, I believe that the correct call would have been to let the card stay in the player's hand and to continue onward. Yes! That's exactly right! (laughs) As I'm reading, I'm kind of chuckling as I'm reading it. I'm like, first of all, why is the dealer doing this? Second of all, oh, I think I saw paint. Yeah, well, good for you. Do you yeah. know what the card was? Can you identify the card? Okay, so I may or may not have paint in my hand, but I'm not going to give up my... What if I looked at I got two queens? I have to give it up because this Jonah over here said I got... No! <laughs> Sorry. I'm keeping my card. Oh, man. Terrible. Yeah, it's just... It's funny to say, hey, you look at paint, and then you look down, and you look at one card, and if it's paint, you throw it away. But maybe it was the other card that he saw. And what happens if you had the two, right? That's what Frank said. If you had two face cards, now you had to decide which one to throw away. Now it now it's like pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> there are 12 uh, paint cards in every deck. There's a very good chance that this guy has paint in his hand anyway. <laughs> what if you just want to screw the guy across from you don't like him? Hey. What this reminded me of is because uh, it's getting ready to be Little League season up here, and uh, I'm very proud that I set the uh, Gahanna Gen- Junior League uh, record for most dandelions picked in right field. Um, so, but I remember just how petty some of this Little League stuff can get, right? Yeah. And I remember there was a time when uh, coaches learned that they could appeal. You know, you had that one like 14 year old ump kid out there that's getting paid two dollars a game to referee. Right. You know, referee. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the referee. Well, it is the hip referee, the parents. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and so obviously they make mistakes all the time, right? And, and then eventually one of the coaches read, like, 
you know, corollary seven dash B seven in the little league rules that said that you could appeal by, you know, appealing to the, the older guy behind the um, plate. Right. <laughs> and so as soon as that guy did it, then every coach appealed every decision forever after that. And the games took like seven years. <laughs> and so I, 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 this is what I think now is like, if I know the dealer is going to like make you look at your hand and throw away a card, why would I not every single hand tell, Hey, I think I saw paint there and yep. just hope yep. that you had paint and then you throw it away. And now you got seven deuce instead of something else, you know, I, just oh my gosh, just just crazy some of the stuff that people send into us. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's why we love it. That's why it's so popular. That's why we never run out of them. Well, and I'll tell you this: uh, this also you can also tell a really good dealer too, right? Because um, good dealers that uh, anyway, and we have them on our cruise ship, right? We have some of our dealers on our cruise ship actually floor and and out elsewhere, so they. But they, they know the call for floor to make the ruling, even if they know the proper thing to do. And this deal obviously had no clue what the proper thing is to do but a good dealer will know hey it's not up to me to, to make a ruling i had uh, the proper procedures to call a floor over and have them make the decision um sometimes unfortunately the floor makes the wrong decision the dealer's <laughs> stuck in his pocket but yeah generally so they, they bring somebody over so i'm like and, and and again the reason why it's not that we know it in fact how many times have dealers told you hey i know what the rule is going to be but i have to follow a procedure and bring it over. And the reason that they do, um, above all else, I think, is that it gives the floor a chance to explain it to people at the table that might not understand why we know what's going to happen, right? Because not everybody knows what's going to happen. Everybody's at a different level of skill and experience. So, um, and, and again, a good floor will explain what the ruling is and why they're making it. So. I mean, that's not your job. I mean, the, the floor doesn't come over and deal cards for you. He doesn't divide the pot for you. You don't make a decision for him or her. That's the, it's not your job as a dealer. Your job is to say, all right, something technical needs to be decided here. I'm calling the person over who's supposed to make that decision. You know, you don't all of a sudden just say, you know what, I'm hungry, and jump behind a snack bar and make your own grilled cheese. They make <laughs> the grilled the cheese house. for you. you. See that guy that made his own Waffle House? Yes. Oh, that was awesome. I still wanted to be that guy. So, don't get us off on another tangent. <laughs> <laughs> just proving your point that you're uh, wrong. Thank you. Hey, we got a new, oh, no, I got a complete O'Malley's move today. This is very exciting. I love this part. So here we go. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we're still at that friendly, low-stakes, five-cent, ten-cent game. It's about an hour after the hand from last episode, and we're under the gun at a seven-handed table with one player away from the table there's a button straddle. The small blind and big blind fold, and we look down at the king of spades, queen of spades. Pretty good hand with only six active players, and this is also a hand I like to play for a raise against a button straddler. We raise to 60 cents with $23 behind. The player to our left calls. This player is fairly new to the game. He plays a confusing style. Sometimes he walks away up three to four buy-ins. Other times he's lost. But after he loses one buy-in, he's typically done for the night. He sits with $15 and can legitimately have any two cards in this situation. Seriously, he could have anything. The rest of the table folds, including the button, and with $1.55 in the pot, the flop is a familiar one. The king of diamonds, jack of diamonds, ten of hearts comes down. Almost exactly like last episode's flop. Well, we have top pair and an open-ended straight draw. 
I don't see any reason to be scared. We make it $1 even. Our opponent calls. With $3.55 in the pot, the turn is just downright eerie. The jack of spades comes down. Can anyone say deja vu? Being out of position in this situation isn't a great feeling, and our opponent could very well have a jack here, but he could also very well have garbage or a draw. If he has some kind of a draw, I want to make him pay for it. This is a rare instance where I like to overbet. We make it $4 to go. Our opponent thinks for a while before calling. There's $11.55 in the pot, and the river brings a mix of emotions. It's the ace of hearts. Now here's the problem. We currently sit with 1740, while our opponent has 940. There's 1155 in the pot. We could do some kind of value blocker bet for three or four dollars, but I just get the sense that even if he has nothing, he's going to shove over the top of that. We could shove, but something about his demeanor tells me that's a snap call waiting to happen. I hate being out of position. We check. Our opponent immediately states, same bet, and throws in $4. Is curiosity going to get the better of us here? What's the move? Uh, I'm calling. Uh, the only draw that got there was ours, unless our opponent's sitting on ace-jack, which is possible, but lots of other hands are, too. I won't be surprised if he turns over a random boat, but I think long-term we make more money with this call than by folding or raising. Yeah, I can't raise. I really i am wondering if we're splitting this pot, to be honest with you. Well, uh, you know. Uh, either way, I think a call's in order, so we'll, we'll call and see what happens. Here you go, part two. Hello again. We put 560 into this pot. We are by no means committed. If we call and lose, we're down to 1340. Right now, we're getting pretty close to 4 to 1 on our money, something like 3.88 to 1. Trust me, I did the math at the table. We're beat by pocket aces, kings, jacks, and tens. Ace-jack, king-jack, and jack-10. We tie any queen, there's no flush. What do we beat? Well, there's... Um... Maybe... No. A bluff. We beat a bluff. This is not a bluff. A bluff shoves the river. A bluff doesn't bet $4 into that pot. We're either losing or tied, and I'm not sure I want to pay to find out. A 260 hole is going to be much easier to climb out of than a 660 hole. We fold. Our opponent grins and confidently flips over the ace of diamonds, ace of clubs. Wow. No raise preflop, calling all the way down until he filled up with a river ace. I mean, sure, he had the better hand the whole way, and that river card was almost the perfect card for him to get paid on, but really? You played aces that way? I told you he was confusing. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes you never see the ending coming. I hope to see you on the felt. Well, obviously our opponent plays in a manner that makes it hard for us to figure him out, so kudos <laughs> to him on that, but uh, there's no way I could put him on this hand, so I'm not going to be uh, upset that I made the call and O'Malley didn't, But because uh, uh, aces we just were not in my frame of reference yeah my first thought was wow good fold mal i don't know how you did it but never saw that coming i just i never thought i mean i mean it is a five cent ten cent game so anything's possible um and then when we raise and no one re-raises with aces <laughs> you're like yeah sometimes you'll see that too where they want as many people in as possible so they just call because they're not really experienced but wow i just 
Never saw that coming. The way it was played, I just never saw that coming. So that's a good fold there. And it was a river race, too. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Well, and I will argue, I'm not going to pick on O'Malley here, but uh, I would argue it's a good fold if he actually sized up the type right. of play he was playing against right. and came to that conclusion. I think, generally speaking, if you talk about nameless, faceless players, um, I, I think you're probably costing yourself more money by making that fold there. But. Yeah. I, I think he did size up the situation correctly based on. Yeah, I mean, he, he from what I remember, he, he said the guy was fairly new, but he played interestingly. So that means he, he could, I think he knew the, how the player played and they made the right read. So to me, I'm going to give him credit for that. Well, and if you play any two cards and you get aces, that's the best thing ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, you credit to that guy as well. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And Steve Pavlicek, here's here's your consolation prize. Yes. You did not get the adulation that you should have for your great moment in poker from the American Poker Awards, but you will get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training because you sent us three Queen Queen situations from his magical World Series run, Chris. That's crazy, and uh, not all—they're not all complicated. So I think uh, I don't think we're gonna. Well, we know we could stretch a show into anything, but <laughs> I don't think this is gonna take us hours to get through these three. I, I think they're pretty uh, cut and dry with some good explanations. So there's three of them though. So do I, think I need like cool. a pad and pen? It's 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 situations. Can I like commit it to memory, or do I need to like really write it out? <laughs> It probably can't hurt to have a pad. Uh, pad right. and I, I don't want to tell you not to have anything go. I wish I did. So. All right, I got it. Uh, all right, so the first one, he said, uh, and again, this is all during the main event, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Um, he said, uh, I started the day with 10,500 and shit. Uh, this is day two of the main event, so he okay. made it day two, right? Uh, well, he made it farther than that, but this all happens on day two. All right. I started the day with 10,500 and ships down from the 50,000 starting stack. Uh, table has been playing fairly tight with anyone uh, without anyone getting too aggressive. After a few good hands, I've managed to build my stack up to about 40k and finally feel comfortable with the playable stack. Blinds are at 400, 800 with 100 ante. A new player gets moved to our table, three seats to my right with a healthy chip stack, easily has me covered. The under the gun folds, and the new player is in the under the gun plus one spot and raises to 2,000, which is the standard 2.2 to 2.5. X rays at the main event. The under gun plus two player shoves for about twenty five thousand. I think under the gun plus two is a little tilty. He has paid me off in a couple hands already today, and I put him in a shove fold mindset. The middle position player folds, and I look down at queen queen. Usually a great starting hand, but what do I do in this situation? A new player raises from under the gun plus one. A tilty player shoves, and I have half the table to play behind me. I've managed to grind my 10K to 40K. Finally feel good about my stack. A call would be 60% of my stack. Could shove and hope to get heads up with the all-in player, but the new player has me concerned as I have no knowledge of him, and he has me covered. I finally decided to fold and watch as everyone else folded to the all-in. I had to step away from the table and consult with my rail by the decision of folding queen-queen. All right, so that's the first one. I totally agree. Fold. Two reasons. Right? Two reasons. One... You call the all-in. First of all, you could be racing ace-king against this guy. Two, you could be facing king-king-ace-ace. Probably not, because the guy would probably want more value for that. But you never know. So, But you could be racing ace-king, and you could be racing any ace or any king, and then for what? You just spent all this time going from ten to 40000 You clearly understand how this table is playing, and you're doing well at it. You're on a roll. Clearly a good fold in my mind. Two, or maybe three, I can't remember how far I've gone on this list, but... <laughs> 
The under the gun plus one who just joins the table has you easily covered, and he decided, I'm coming to a new table and I'm raising under the gun plus one. Generally, people aren't just doing that with seven, eight suited. He could have kings or aces here. Now you've committed 25,000 chips, and then he shoves over the top with his aces. And what are you, you going to fold now and lose half your stack for nothing? You're probably going to say, ah, oh, now i got a call because there's so much money out there, and i got queens. Right. Right. Then you get busted out of the tournament when you just spent half the day trying to build your stack up, and clearly we know you're going to cash. So, yes, fold is the right thing to do. Yeah. Now, what made this frustrating, obviously, is because everybody else folded the all-ins. So we never saw the hands, right? So... Um, if we saw the hands, we might have felt worse about this, or we might have felt better about it. But, um, um, but I, I, I agree. I mean, he's obviously figured out how to play this table. It doesn't mean he's the best player at the table, but he's figured it out now. You don't need to be swing for the fences mode when you have a, a good read on the table. You swing for the fences when you have no idea what's going on and, yeah. and yeah. do what you can, right? So, um, all right. Later in the same day, he says his stack is up to 70K, and I've been actively playing hands over the past few hours. Blinds are 800, 1600 with a 200 ante, and I am in the MP2 position. The undergun limps. Undergun plus one raises to 4,000. Undergun plus two and MP1 fold, and once again, we look down to queen-queen. I feel much more comfortable than the previous queen-queen hand, as I have a larger chip stack and better knowledge of all the players at the table. I decided to raise to 12,000 to try to isolate the razor. To my dismay, the cutoff calls and under the gun plus one calls. We all have similar stack sizes, and the flop comes queen of spades, ten of spades, four of spades. Great, I flop top set, but it's a suited board, and that does not make me happy. Under the gun plus one opens for 15,000. What could he have? Uh, he, raises an early he raised in an early position called a re-raise, so I put him on a big pocket pair, nines to queens. I think ace-ace or king-king would have re-raised my preflop. Suited ace-king, ace-queen may be may have called, but if they were spades, he would not have uh, open bet uh, the flop. Maybe an unsuited ace-king, ace-queen was one spade? I think I'm ahead, but if I'm wrong and one of the two players flopped a flush, I still have outs to a boat. I decide to shove all in for 58000 Yeah, Steve! Actually goes to the cutoff who tanks. He is facing a raise and a re-raise on a suited flop, and it's agonizing on his decision. This could be bad, but he finally folds, and the action goes back to undergun plus one, who now tanks himself. After another three to four minutes, he finally folds, and I scoop another nice pot, taking my stack up to over 100,000. Yes. Right? Yes, that's the right move, because, first of all, you want to protect your hand. The odds of him having a flush are very rare, and if he does have the flush, you have outs. You're you're only losing to a flush. That's it. And you do have ten outs to win. Is it? I guess it's ten, right? Ten. So, I mean, yes, yes, that's the right because you're going to re-raise to protect your hand anyway. By the time you re-raise that, it's probably forty-five grand. You only got seventy more than half your stack. You're probably just shoving anyway to get the other guy out. And if you have to go heads up against the guy, maybe he does have one spade, and that's what you want. You want the guy drawn against your made hand. So, yes, yes, Charles, that's great. I, I I agree with that play. Yeah, perfect. I wish I had more to add, but that's and you know it, it's funny because when you read these hands, and not just the ones today, but any of these hands we get in, in my mind, I'm always rooting for the right what I think is the right play, right? Yeah. And then when it happens, I'll, I do the same thing you do. I cheer. I'm like, and I'm reading. I'm sitting at home. My cats are looking at me. Like, what are you cheering for? <laughs> um, or if they make a decision that I don't think is right, I go, oh no. Yeah. Uh, but no, I was cheering for this one as well too. All right, the next one I think is going to be the most interesting one. I think okay. we'll find out. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But he had a little bit more on that last hand, uh, just in case people were interested. He said, during the break, both players came up to me separately asking what I had as they both said they laid down big hands. Under the gun plus one had ace of spades, king of hearts for the nut flush draw. 
and the cutoff folded king of spades, nine of spades. Popped the second, not flush and folded. Cutoff told me he put uh, one of the other two players on the ace of spades and couldn't call up a stack on a race. That's interesting. Um, all right. So, wait, one player had the made king high made flush? Straight. I made flush, yep, and then just thought that somebody else must have had the ace. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, those are good folds, I guess. I mean, that's the ace. I mean, if the guy wants to. Well, I don't know if it is. Yeah, we, we don't yeah, know. We don't but know what, yeah. That, that's a tough decision there. I mean, I, I think we played this well to protect against it, but I would have been ashen had this guy called and turned over a made flush. I mean, we, we knew that was a possibility by what we did, but that's what's scary about having players act behind you with this, right? So Jack of spades comes on the turn, and those guys are losing all their – one guy's losing all his chips. Straight flush versus ice high flush. Well, you also have to think about what he's thinking we have now. I mean, yeah. it could be a set like we had, or it could be just the ace of spades and nothing else like the other player had. Yeah. Um, or it could be that we made the flush and this guy already bets, so and now I'm going to get value out of it. I don't need everybody else to come along here. And um, So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could have folded that like he did, but but I understand the thought process, I think. Well, you can see how money changes how people play. I mean, if this is the $30 turbo at Derby Lane, you're getting it all in with your eyes closed. Yeah, but you're yeah. playing for a million, two million, seven million, eleven million, whatever the hell it is. You're you're folding king high made flush on a flop. Yeah, you know, crazy. Well, that's a, a very excellent segue to the final queen queen hand, Chris. Yes, so. I knew that. All right, since late in day three, we are probably a couple hours from the money bubble. Blinds are two thousand, four thousand with a five hundred ante. My stack is down to about eighty thousand, which is one of the smaller stacks than my table. There's a raise and re-raise in front of me, and I look down at queen queen. At that point, I had to make a decision. Am I playing to cash or am I playing to run deep? The other four players uh, who Tom sent to the main event have already busted, and I'm our last hope. I've already been thinking about this decision and have calculated that I should be able to fold my way to a min-cash if necessary. I folded and then went on lockdown to try to get in the money. When the money bubble finally burst, I was down to my last orbit before I was blinded out, which was just a little stressful. I do not regret my decision to go for the min-cash. $15,000 is still a lot of money to me. I experienced one of the best weeks of my life and was floating on cloud nine. If this was a smaller tournament, I would have played differently, but playing the World Series of Poker main event is a dream to most poker players and something I probably would never have done without Tom, which is exactly why he sent us. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm I'm all freaking misty here. This is <laughs> I'm serious, too. I'm just that's real emotional to me. Um, First of all, it's the right fold. When you got a raise and a re-raise. And you're playing with your your late friend's money, and you're trying to do right by him, and trying to do the best you can, and a raise and a re-raise. Unless you absolutely know these players inside and out, and you know that they're just the type of guys who who can four bet with a seven, you know what I mean. You just gotta let it go. You're so close to the money. You're so close to honoring your friend and your friends. You're so close to having this incredible moment that should be nominated <laughs> that, you know what I mean, I, I don't disagree with that fold at all. It's crazy that he came up with queens that many times in three days where there were situations like this. Crazy. Yeah, where they were not just like raise and take it or, or everything worked out, right? So, yeah, but I agree uh, with the fold. Yeah, I, I will agree with the fold based on the circumstances, and I, I say this on the show a lot of times, and I get grief for it, that you have to play the actual circumstances sometimes, even if it's a, a suboptimal play. So 
Um, I, I think on surface, I think maybe this, as your example was, if this is the $30 tournament at Derby Lane, I'm probably shoving there. Um, but it's not, and there's a lot going on there. And that's, um, I, I think you have to consider that, um, again, for your psyche going forward. I mean, in the end, you know, uh, who knows what would have happened with his hand had he gone all in. Um, he could have tripled up and then not had to worry about lockdown to get in the money and then be blinded out one orbit later, right? Right. So there's probably a case to be made that he could have gone farther in this tournament. But, uh, you know, this dream had to happen, right? It, it, it got to that point where I, I understand the pressure that everybody else is out. And wouldn't it be a much better story to tell someone that we actually ca- – one of us cashed. Even if we just went out right after the bubble burst um, than to say we got close to cashing and then went all in with queens and got snapped off by aces or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I think that uh... – like you said, situations are situations. That's why they're called that. And for me, this situation warranted a fold. Sure, he he goes all in. The one time he's like eh, kind of like iffy about it, or the one time he he lets loose with the the regulations he's put on himself, and then what happens? He goes up against King King and loses and gets knocked out. And then it's just hey, we all play. We had a good time. No, but now he's folded. He's cast. You know, he's considered for an award. He's had a great moment on ESPN. He's been on our show a bunch of times about it. His friend is being honored, and I think it's the right fold. And I don't I don't care if somebody tells me, oh, mathematically, you, you know, I don't care. Right. right. Mathematically, you still could lose. And this guy knows that if he folds, he's got a real good shot of making the money and honoring his buddies and his friend. And that's that's the way to do it, I think. So that was, that was pretty damn cool. Crazy though that the queens keep coming up in in, in his uh, his tournament. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. The fact they can remember all the all the particulars. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he wrote some of the stuff down as he went. But yeah. well, Steve, thanks for including us in the journey. We really much appreciate it. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music Network.